pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. and Lord, we have many, many requests that we need to bring before you. Lord, there's uh, decisions that are, are set before our church. And Lord, we just thank you for your moving. We thank you for what you're doing. I ask for wisdom to work together. And Lord, we ask for your provision that we may be your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right, take your Bibles if you would, and uh, we're going to have to move a little quickly because of the length of the announcement of uh, Union Baptist, and just want you to keep uh, those things in prayer, as well as Brother Newberger, he is going to be speaking to a person this week uh, that, Lord willing, we hope will become the first actual member of North Brooklyn Baptist Church, and that's something we've been praying about. And uh, those are roots. That's what we need. And so I want you to pray as God works in all of these fronts. Uh, I am glad he can keep track of it. And I'm glad I'm not an accountant. Amen. But anyway, let's uh, uh, Galatians chapter 6. And we started in verse 1. It was two weeks ago uh, that we covered this. If a man be overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone. And not in another, for every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. Be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life Everlasting, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And we could keep reading, but let's see if we can at least get that far tonight. Uh, we could spend the whole month on any one of these verses in this incredibly densely packed part of the book of Galatians. Paul has a habit as he finishes the book to just start this and this and this and this and this and this until uh, it, it's just completely full uh, of things that we need. And each one of them is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and we spent time on bearing one another's burdens. The Bible says that's how we fulfill the law of Christ and, and how we know that we are spiritual. One of these spiritual ones that can come alongside is there's a pattern of direction in the local church. Amen? There is, uh, God works through the pastor of the church to give directions. You see, there's nothing more harmful than someone who thinks himself spiritual. And great harm can be done 
Because there is, it almost seems contradictory here. It says we're to bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. And then we get down into the passage I hope we can dig into uh, uh, fairly thoroughly tonight and cover, is that each man has to bear his own burden. Each man shall bear his own burden. And see, there's a, a process here in the uh, world of psychology, not that we endorse that in any way, uh, there's this thing called codependent. How many of you are familiar with that term? Uh, I, w- I would like to get a, a little more biblical term for that uh, and just a, a little more working definition, and that would be what we would call the professionally needy Christians. Have you ever met one of those? Uh, uh, that's someone who is willing to let someone else live their life for them. Now, when you get there, what, what actually is that? Well, the old word for it's called slavery. Isn't it? When you don't have a decision or you do not decide what is going to happen in your life, someone else has that power and authority and makes those decisions for you, isn't that called slavery? I know that's a harsh word, but it happens a lot in religious circles or in the world of psychology, it happens all the time. That's what Sigmund Freud was all about, was enslavement of the mind and control of people and, and all of these things. We have a, uh, and we could chase that rabbit and I don't want to go there very far. But we look through the book of Galatians. I'd like you to just turn back verse 1 of chapter 5 and we're not going to cover everything. It says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke and bondage. You see, the Bible says, Jesus said, ye shall know the Son, and you're going to be free indeed. Do you remember what the Pharisee said when he said those words? He said, are we blind? He said, we've never been in service to any man. And the Roman soldiers were walking down the street. Do you see how foolish that is? See, if you're not going to serve Christ, you are going to serve sin. Now, how many of you out there, let's be honest, in attempting to serve Christ and do right was overtaken with a fault? My hands first went up. You see, that's what happens. How many of you in struggling... Now, don't raise your hands on this one. I just want you to think a minute. In that struggle, how many of you have ever had someone come up and help you deeper into your grave? Don't raise your hand on that. I I mean, you're in trouble. You're struggling. And they're just going to hand you a shovel so you can dig it deeper. You see, that's an unspiritual helper. That's not bearing your burden. That's making it worse. 
You see, the purpose in bearing someone else's burden is bringing them to a point where they take care of it themselves. You see, that's the spiritual process. See, this is why rehab fails almost all the time. Because you get put in a place where everybody's nice. Is everybody nice out there in the world? Uh, Is anybody nice out there? Jesus is. Amen. Uh, Other than that, uh, but you go into the rehab center, everybody is nice. You can be nice for eight hours a day if they pay you enough, right? Uh, And then you can go home and be mean to everybody else, but... You get into the rehab center. Everybody's nice for you. You cannot get what you used to get that got you into the rehab center in the first place because they've got bars on the windows and they have the nice policeman at the door that's not going to let you outside and you are protected. And then when they're done treating you, they send you home. And you have no safeguards. No protection. And you go right back doing what you did before. That's the story of Jesus and the man that was possessed by the devil. And he got rid of one and got seven back in return. I mean, remember that from Matthew. You see, there, there's a process that has to happen here. Christ wants us to have freedom. Life's greatest work is not the absence of problems. It's God's power and ability to work through them. You know, we, we've often talked about and uh, Sometimes just a little tongue-in-cheek because the name of our church is Open Door Bible Baptist Church. We want the Lord to open doors. Amen? And we have three of them out there that we want open for every service. Amen? And we praise the Lord for that. And we want the Lord to open doors. And yet sometimes if we're not careful, as we seek God's will, as we seek His ability we end up just bouncing off the bumper stops of life. That's not serving Christ. You see, so much of what we need is not something you can quantify and just write down on a sheet of paper. How many of you, you don't need to raise your hands, but how many of you needed encouragement to be faithful in all the church services? I mean, sometimes you come from a Catholic situation, uh, Christmas, Easter, that gets you in the door. I mean, that gets you to purgatory at least. Uh, And and if you can, I'm sorry, forgive my sarcasm, but, uh, but if you were one service a week, boy, you were really doing something. You show up here and it's three services a week, and Sunday morning's actually divided into two parts, so if you want to count them both, that's four, and then you show up on visitation, that's five. If you have discipleship, oh, good night, what are we trying to do? Take over your life? You bet. You know why? 
And I've told people this. They say, Pastor, what's your recovery? Do you have a recovery program? I said, yes, we do. Sunday morning. Sunday school and morning worship. Sunday night, prayer meeting. Thursday night, Bible study. And how can you bear someone else's burden? Well, let me give you this illustration. If you'll just stop and look at your own life, did you need somebody saying, now, Franz, you got to show up at all the services. Or was it better to come and see people at those services? You see, you didn't even know that you were bearing someone else's burden because you were trying to follow Christ. But again, what makes you spiritual? Read chapter 5, walking in the Spirit, not in the flesh. So often we set out to do things. Can I promise you, if you thought about it, it's probably wrong. Am I allowed to say that as your pastor? Well, I just did. And the reason I said it is because God doesn't use our minds to determine His service. How do we show that we love the children of God? 1 John chapter 5. How how can you show other members of this church that you love them? Oh, I invite them over and feed them. Well, that's a good thing. But that's not what the Bible says. Let's, let's read the verse. I don't want to misquote it here. Let's go there quickly. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 2 says, By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. You see... When you make a choice to obey God and do right, you are acting spiritual in the biblical sense of the word. And by behaving spiritually, you are showing your love to other people that attend this church, other believers in Christ, because you're encouraging them to do right. But I've, I've told a couple of people, and, and I don't want to give names because I don't want to embarrass anybody publicly, but we, we have a fellow that's been struggling for years. Most of you already know who I'm talking about. And I've told him, I said, I'm not coming over to your house and dressing you for church. You're a grown man. You've you got to make that choice. But I want to encourage you. And every time I talk to him, he says, I know, Pastor, I need to be in church. Yep, that's where it starts. You've got to be a part of the body. This is where you get connected. This is where you get what you need. And we go back to Galatians chapter 6. It says, But let every man prove his own work, then... He shall have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. 
How many of you have ever watched a little child learn how to walk? I mean, that's fun. The first time around. The second time around, it gets, oh, no. After three or four of them, it's like, no, not yet. Take your time. But getting back to it, when they just, little Zito, boy, he just loved it when somebody put two fingers down and, man, he'd go everywhere. But if you let him go, he was only going one direction, right on his nose. But there came a time when you put your fingers down there and he didn't want them no more. You know why? Because he could walk on his own. And he'd rather walk on his own and stumble a little bit than have someone hold him like that. Now, of course, he was never in danger. There's carpet and there's padding under the carpet here. And it's a lot of fun watching those little ones learn how to walk. Well, that's an illustration, one of the best ones I have, of what's being spoken of here, of the spiritual coming alongside and bearing that burden. You're given a couple of fingers there. And the way you do that is often unintentional. It's not something that you are specifically thinking about unless you're just thinking about, I want to make sure I love the Lord and be obedient to His commandments Because have you ever had someone do something with you in mind? That's usually pretty offensive, isn't it? Hello? Why did it get so quiet? Because that's the best we can do. And it's not good enough. What we need to do is put our eyes on Christ and Christ alone and rejoice when that one starts doing it on their own. Amen? Every once in a while, someone needs a few words of encouragement. If you'll stop and think, how many times has somebody come along and encouraged you with something that you already knew was a problem? Happens, doesn't it? And what we need to do is we need to pray and we need to work. And it says, for every man shall bear his own burden... Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. You know, we have what we call discipleship, where we go through the Bible and deal with every major Bible doctrine. And we want you to understand. But when we deal with the lesson on baptism, if you haven't gotten baptized yet, you know what I like to see? Pastor, I need to get baptized. You know what you've just done? You've communicated unto him that teacheth in a good thing. Now, our verse here said all good things. You know what? Baptism isn't the only thing you need to be worried about. Amen? 
to take care of. That, that's the beginning. And there's lots of things. If, if every one of us in here were to just be simply and brutally honest, we could come up with a list of things that need to be improved in my life, in your life, in your own personal life. Aren't you glad we don't have to pin that list on a bulletin board in the church for everybody else to look at? I mean, that would be, how would you show your face? How would you ever be able to truly be honest and write the things that really need to be done? In fact, how many of us have things that need to happen in our life that we're not even aware that need to happen in our life? Could we say amen to that? And so how do we do this? How is the church supposed to function here? Well, we need people who are walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit, the the Spirit has the ability to produce that fruit in our lives. Our attention is on Christ and Christ alone and loving Him and trying to keep His commandments because He said that is the test. That is the proof of His love. And once we do that, guess what we're going to do? We're going to become that spiritual one that's going to automatically bear someone else's burden. And most of the time, you won't even be aware of it because we're going to get to the next part of this. You see, every man has to bear his own burden. But do you remember what Jesus said about that burden? Come learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Peter put it this way, casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Now, there's a reason why that word casting is used. Is, you see, if I'm carrying something heavy, I can say, Hey, Andrew, give me a hand. Well, what's he doing? He's making my burden lighter. But I still got a hold of it. When I cast that burden, I'll say, Andrew, here's the keys. Van's unlocked. Will you unload the groceries? Guess who's carrying the burden now? Not a me. Amen? I love my assistant. I really do. Are we allowed to have a little fun? But see, when you cast those burdens on the Lord, and and I'm asking you to pray, because it is so easy for me to take the burden of this whole building thing and just add it to the others that are there. And I don't want to do that. I can't do that. If God is in this thing, it's, it's not something that is going to hurt the ministry at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. But I, I've got to cast that care upon the Lord because if I don't, it will crush me. And you all have, every one of us have things in our life that is pressing on us. You've got to bear your own burden, but where do you take it? 
you better take it to the Savior. You see, that's how you communicate unto the Lord the things that you've learned in His Word. By, by doing it. The Bible is not a theology book, my friend. It's a manual on practical Christian living. And we need to communicate unto the Lord. I, I am just telling you what the passage says as the preacher preaches on things. You, I'll tell you what brings more joy to my heart than just anything else is when I see behavior change. As, as much as in me is, I have never walked into this pulpit with someone's name on my heart for a point in my sermon. I have striven to never let that happen. But I'll tell you what, there's sometimes halfway through the sermon I'm going, oh my, I wonder what they're thinking. And and I just have to go, Lord, let me let me get let me get out of here. I just want you to, to direct the preaching. Because what we need is we need unity in our church. And that unity is based on doctrine, on obedience to the words of God. And that's what allows the Lord to have freedom to do incredible things. We need some miracles. You know what the biggest miracle we need for North Brooklyn is? People. Uh, And we need a lot smaller miracles, but just as many of them to see if we can save this piece of property so that uh, the church will have a place to meet and will appear to the community to be a real living church. You know, so much is just simple perception. And so, we need to pray. We need to communicate here. In all good things, and we need to understand, and this is a passage that we've been over often here, uh, don't, don't be deceived. You're not going to get around God. You're not going to, to change the rules. What you sow is what you're going to reap. If you sow to the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. If you sow to the Spirit, you're going to reap life. Do we need to spend a lot of time on this? I don't think so. I think we understand it. Uh, The problem is doing it. And that's why the next verse says, and be not weary in well-doing. Because uh, if you have served Christ at all, can I challenge you? That is one of the places the devil works the most. And, and I've, I've seen this process happen. You see, before you were saved, the only thing you could plant was the flesh. Then you get saved. Well, now you put one seed in the spirit side. And you got all this stuff in the flesh side that's been growing. Well, guess what's going to happen? 
God's not going to send his angels down to cut down the crop. It's got to come in. And it feels like you're getting clubbed over the head for trying to do right. That's not what's happening. What's happening is, if you look at it properly, is God is helping you understand that when you put stuff in the flesh field, it's going to come back and get you. And that needs to be an emphasis or a driving motivational factor, whatever you want to put there, to help you understand that no matter how bad I get beat up in this field for things that are planted there, some of them before I was saved even, I've got to be putting something in this side. Because when you get weary in well-doing, you say, what good is it? And you sit back over here. And then you get under conviction of the Holy Spirit. And by the time you get back over here, you've got a whole new crop coming in. Isn't that how it works? And you see, that's why it's so important not to set up your own standard of spiritual. You've got to keep your eyes on the Savior because you have no idea whose burden God has laid on your shoulder If you are truly spiritual, you're taking every burden that you have and laying it on Jesus. And so, you're not even going to be aware of the load that you are carrying and encouraging others. And our job is to rejoice when we see those new Christians doing what is right. Amen? And I can't tell you how many new Christians have been discouraged because someone they thought was spiritual stopped being spiritual. They got weary in well-doing. And they fainted. Now, I praise God that you can't lose your salvation. It says, the just man falleth how many times? Seven times and riseth yet again. Why? Because the Spirit of God is in you and you can't lay down. Amen? You can only lay down so long. It was like the guy that got knocked out in the boxing ring. He said, no, no. I said, I'm, I'm just studying the ceiling here for a moment. Uh, you're going to get back up. Amen? And because the Spirit of God is in you, but the time that you lose is seed in the spiritual side is the opportunity to see God do good things. You see, all things that pertain unto life and godliness are given to us through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. And the only way you can learn anything about Jesus that's real is read what's written down. Amen? And so... Paul said, as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Now, let's put this back in the uh, complete context. 
we have chosen the title that He might deliver us from this present evil world. That's what God's plan is. God does not deliver you from this present evil world by you trying to protect yourself. God delivers you from this present evil world as you get your eyes off of everything bad that's going on around you and focus only on Christ and be obedient to His commandments. That says, I love Jesus. And it also is the way that I truly love my fellow believers, especially those whom I share fellowship with in the same body, the local church. As I am controlled by the Spirit, I will bear burdens. But if I'm truly spiritual... I'm going to be casting all those cares on the Lord. You see, we go back to that term, go codependent. When you take someone else's emotional issues into yourself, the only person you're hurting is everybody. You're not helping anyone at all. Because it's all in the flesh, no matter how good you feel about it. It's not spiritual. Spiritual help causes others to carry their own burdens. Could I put it this way? What's a parent's job for their children? To force them to grow up. How many children do you know in 40-something-year-old bodies? Don't raise your hand on that one, all right? We've all met people who have aged way past their maturity level. You know why? Because they didn't have a parent that forced them to grow up. Well, how do you do that in the church? By you being spiritual. You know what? Someone that doesn't want to attend all the services, I, I would like for them to be in the out group. If you want to be in the in group, you've got to be here all the time. Amen? Do you see how that works? And they begin to communicate and change things. And you need to understand, and I need to understand, and those baby Christians need to understand, and those that are overtaken in a fault need to understand that when we plant to the flesh, we're only ensuring future failures. And no matter how bad I've fallen, and no matter how much seed I've put in the ground over here, by the Spirit of God and His grace, i got to drag myself over here and at least put something in. Amen? And not quit putting something in. Somebody said, it's like pouring water through a sieve. How many of you know what a sieve is? It's like a screen that you used to use to put air in flour. You know how much water a sieve holds? Just a few drops. 
But this is what I like to say. If you put enough water through the sieve, you at least get a clean sieve. Amen? Isn't that an improvement? Maybe God will put some liner in there to hold something after you get it clean. Amen? Uh, I I believe He will. And and the Bible says, as we have opportunity, but here's how we have opportunity. Opportunities God gives you, He will give you through your obedience to Him. And then we get to the conclusions here. And, and Paul touches on just a few things, and, and this will actually reiterate everything we've taught. I think I can not skip too many things here, but Paul says, You see how large a letter I've written with you with mine own hand. Paul is just possibly even referencing the issue where he said you'd have plucked out your own eyes in chapter 4 and given to them to me. Paul is trying to demonstrate for them that his love and his care for the people of Galatia. And then he deals some very sharp and deep blows. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. And so, ask a question. What, what are you proud of? What accomplishment? If God would give you the answer to your prayers, what accomplishment would you put down in that prayer to make yourself feel spiritual? If you can put something in that blank, I want to challenge you, you are unspiritual. You see, it is not about you. This is why Paul says, I will glory. If I'm going to glory in something, I'm going to glory in the cross. You see, that's the answer to the Judaizers that's been causing the problem. That's how you get delivered from this present evil world. I've told people that have dealt with cigarettes, I said, let's, let's just stop here and think about this a minute. I said, the last five minutes, you've used the word cigarettes 25 times. With that kind of attention on the cigarettes, how in the world are you ever going to stop smoking them? The answer is not saying, I hate cigarettes. It's getting your attention so enraptured by the cross of Jesus Christ that the cigarettes are no longer even topical. And that takes exercise. Uh, By the way, that takes spirituality. That's how you get these things done. This is the answer to the desires of the flesh. It's the answer to the keeping of the law. It's not my keeping of the law that saves me. It's not the good things that I do that makes me spiritual. It is my dependence upon the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, We don't have time to do this tonight, but that's why they call it a gift of the Holy Spirit. If it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, it ain't you. It's the Holy Spirit doing it. 
And if you put your hands on it, you just ruined it. See, Paul says, I'll glory in the cross. Why? Because I'm crucified to the world, and the world is crucified to me. Because nothing I can do makes me a better Christian. Do you get what I'm saying here? You're not a better Christian because you read your Bible every day. If you want to be a better Christian, you've got to ask God to give you grace to live what's in the Bible. That's hard. In fact, that's impossible. That's why you have to have the grace of God. That's why Paul says, I'll glory in the cross. You see, Paul says... And as many as walk according to this rule, peace be upon them and mercy and upon the Israel of God. Do you see what Paul's saying there? He is again. Paul was not one of these guys that pussyfooted around the issue and tried to pretend that it really wasn't a problem. He was hitting this thing right on. He said, if you want to be the Israel that God has, you've got to walk after this rule to glory in the cross and not in the things that you can accomplish. These people that came into the church had set up their own standard of spirituality and righteousness and their joy was when somebody did what they said. When you do what somebody says, you're following them. And if you're following a person... You're not, following a Christ. You're not following Christ. Paul put it this way. He said, you follow me as I follow Christ. If you lose sight of Christ trying to follow someone, they're not following Christ. That's your protection. And... He says, from henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. You know what Paul is actually saying there? He said, you want to argue with me, show me your scars. He said, I earned the marks that I have by serving Christ. And the whole reason you're doing the things that you're doing is to make yourself acceptable to the Jews. The problem with the Judaizers. You know what we have people doing today? We, we have some Judaizers still running around, but Paul took care of them for the most part. It's easy to open up your Bible and say, we don't worship on Saturday because Jesus rose again from the dead on Sunday. We're not keeping the law. We're serving Christ. But today, how do you escape persecution with the world? By becoming worldly. Can you serve Christ and become more worldly? How many of you know the answer to that question? Do we have anyone that has a problem with answering that question? 
in the negative. Amen? Just in case you wondered. You cannot serve Christ and become more worldly. Because if you're going to serve Christ, you've got to move away from the world and toward Christ. It's two totally different directions. And that's why Paul ends the book with this little statement. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. That's the answer. You see, I don't earn grace by what I do. We're influenced by things that we're not even aware we're influenced by. It's so easy for someone that comes from a works salvation, which is no salvation at all, to apply that same mentality to their relationship with Christ. I I need His grace to be with my spirit. Otherwise, when something good happens, I'll get proud about it, which is the worst sin. When something bad happens, I'll faint by the wayside and start planting bad seed, which is the dumbest thing that you can possibly do. But that's what human nature does. Here's the answer. Grace. Grace to control my spirit. And all God's people said, Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. Lord, we need grace. We need the glory in the cross. The only thing about the cross that I did was put Jesus there. Lord, we ask that you would give us a revival of true spirituality. That we would stop trying to direct our spiritual activities and just get our eyes on Christ. Lord, we ask. We we need your blessings. Lord, we, we need miracles. And we're not going to get them in the flesh. So, Lord, we ask you to work in our hearts and in our lives. Let us see. Let us understand. That we may communicate to you. Lord, the idea of that verse is to the pastor. That we can see changed lives through the power of the word and grace of God. We ask you to work. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's just keep our heads bowed. We'll have the piano play. If you need to come, spend a few moments. The altar is open.